Welcome into episode 12 of the Thunder Sports Report. I'm Rusty Lindsay, joined with Abram Erickson. And Abram, first time we get a chance to to connect here in the new year, and we get a chance to connect with some optimism on the horizon for the first time in a long time, as last week the CCAW announced schedules for winter sports. So it appears we finally have, after what felt like months of waiting, a direction for, for teams to point towards, but at the same time, locally and, and internally, Wheaton announcing a plan to bring students back onto campus in February, and, and it seems like things are kind of building momentum towards a relatively normal uh, entering into the 2021 sports season here. Yeah, Rusty, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to be back, and like you said, it felt like every time that we met and talked um, over the fall, it was kind of, well, when are we going to hear, when, when are we going to get some news, um, and, and what are things going to look like for the winter and for the spring, and now we've finally gotten that, and, and after, like you said, months of waiting and, you know, all throughout the fall sports season, talking to a lot of fall sports coaches and athletes, you know, still wondering what things would like be like for winter if, if it would affect those those coaches athletes and sports in the same way and now you're right we do see um, some schedules being released and excited to go through some of those and like you said I think you know there are so many just moving parts to getting different sports scheduled let alone bringing students back on the campus um, like you said Wheaton announcing that they are planning to do that so exciting news on all fronts both athletically and just academically with the college and Sounds to me like a, a plan that is going to have, you know, at least give us a good shot at keeping things under control and, you know, try to have a, a decently normal semester um, in the way we did in the fall, but hopefully with the added benefit of, of having some sports competition as well. Yeah, and so you're going to get events starting on the 23rd, Wheaton at least waiting until February 6th to plan to bring students back. And I, I think that's probably a good place to start in that that'll that'll be an interesting wrinkle to how these things unfold is that you're going to have essentially 40% of a schedule done if you're looking at the just the basketball schedules where you have the most events planned right now and planned is probably the operating word given how things could unfold here and then all of a sudden you're going to introduce all the students back into the fold and obviously you're going to have they're going to have to provide tests coming back to campus, but there's just no guarantee that a return of students doesn't cause a problem and a pause as these events unfold throughout the season. Yeah, Rusty, that's a good point. I think, um, you know, to, to say that the season will be almost halfway done, um, like you said, speaking in terms of basketball, before the majority of students get on campus, at least for Wheaton, um, I think is a is a reason for some hope that we can get some games under our belt and maybe um, just sort of get the the feel of how these COVID safe, you know, events are going to happen um, before we do get some, some more students on campus. Obviously that's an inflow um, of a lot of students from a lot of different places, especially when we look at the Wheaton student body and how that's made up. So we'll have people traveling in from, from everywhere. And um, like you said, of course, there's an ambitious testing plan um, for getting students on campus and making sure that the student body starts the semester healthy um, so I think that um, the administration and student health services has a good plan um, set for that. But like you said, it, I think everything at this point is a, um, you know, this is a tentative plan or, or this is what we're looking at moving forward. We, we really have learned to speak with little to no certainty on how these things are going to turn out. Um, but I think, like you said, optimistic um, that we could maybe get sports rolling and underway and maybe into some sort of groove. Um, and hopefully that won't be thrown off um, a lot by students arriving while um, that's of course the majority of the student body that will be coming at that point on the 6th and 7th. Um, 
for Wheaton. And so an exciting time for students to get back to classes. But I think the we'll have about three weeks here at the beginning of school that are going to be remote online um, learning. And that's kind of what we did to end off um, the first semester as well. So it kind of mirrors the way we did things. We were home for three weeks, got sent home early at the Thanksgiving break, had three weeks online of classes before break really started. And now as we head into the new semester, same deal with three weeks of of remote learning before we can get on campus and hopefully get into in-person classes again. Yeah, and, and as you introduce schedules, and, and Wheaton has, any, like you mentioned, an ambitious testing policy, and Wheaton had a lot of success with the bubble setup in the first semester, but the plan to provide rapid testing for the entire student body once a week to the entire second semester is an ambitious undertaking, but uh, the one thing you look at from an athletic standpoint is at this point, and we, we talked about it during the first semester on, on the pod, is, is that when you get into competition, the integrity of your bubble then relies on how strongly other schools are following as well. And and that kind of gets the initial shock treatment right off the bat. If you're, if you're, again, we're just looking at basketball because they're going to be playing first and they have the most, most competitions on the schedule right now. But if your ability to be successful relies on Augustana's ability to be successful. Otherwise, you're introducing introducing those results from that team into the what you've already built for for your squad and then your campus as an extension of that. So there there does become some weak links now in the chain in, in that you need everyone else who is participating to kind of take things as seriously as you are. Yeah, and I think that you know sort of trust and reliance on the other. Um, schools in the conference is something that is going to be left to be seen how that plays out like you said everything kind of has a domino effect because if we play a play a game and someone on the other team you know um has you know is positive or something like that that doesn't only affect players on our team that affects you know students on, on the campus when they come back and um it just you know it, it kind of can can run through in different ways that we've seen in the past like you said wheaton um in their bubble, we've done a really good job um, within the first semester of keeping numbers really, really low. But we've seen kind of how um, getting out of the bubble set up, if, if you look at a, you know, a league like the NBA, um, of course, did the bubble back at the beginning of last or at the end of last year and, you know, worked that with a good amount of success. And now that things have kind of gotten out of the bubble mindset for them, um, they've seen a lot of issues with with a lot of positive tests, with teams not having enough players to, to even field a, a roster of eight for a basketball game and um, talks of maybe shutting shutting the league down for a week or two just to get people healthy. So um, seeing that maybe things aren't so successful on that national level, of course, that's different when you're probably traveling cross country in big cities and things like that. Not not a direct correlation or, or great example to the CCIW maybe, but it does provide a blueprint or, or show you an example of how things could possibly get out of whack in the future um, if, again, people and teams aren't careful. And certainly provide some context for why you've seen leagues like the NESCAC and, and other leagues out east that have decided to pull the plug and and decide not to have conference events. And, and we'll also lead in the big picture as we get towards the end of the schedule and how, A, the CCIW unfolds, but also how the rest of the country unfolds as if you're even able to get to the end and look at an NCAA tournament being a possibility. And I know that's a headache for coach shower to deal with at the end as part of the national selection committee, but it certainly does 
provide for some interesting wrinkles and in, in that is are you really able to crown a ccw champion if you don't have a whole if you might not have more than one team able to play a, a complete schedule it's going to be almost i mean it's going to be very interesting to see how many teams are actually able to even get through this 12 game schedule that they have laid out uh, and and be able to to get to that end unscathed yeah, I mean, we saw that happen in, again, other leagues across the country, you know, college football, obviously the season just ending the other night, but that was the big talk with Ohio State the whole year is have they even played enough games to qualify for the college football playoff? You know, the the original um, limit was set, you, you had to play at least seven and they only played six, the rule was changed and, um, you know, whatever your thoughts are on that, it just goes to show that there's a chance that, you know, again, um, we don't make it through a full schedule here, and, and it's really just going to be, I think, once the season hits the ground for basketball, for other sports, most most sports are starting here around that kind of January 23rd weekend. Um, I think we're going to have the possibility to see a lot of things that we haven't seen before. You know, um, like you said, games canceled because we don't have enough players or throughout the season, you know, games getting postponed and things like that. Um, I think we've got to head into to all of these sports season, and of course, coaches and athletes are pretty well practiced in doing this now, but just with a lot of flexibility and an ability to kind of take things as they come, um, just as, you know, you won't even know to, what tomorrow um, has to bring in terms of, you know, testing results from from a previous game or as you lead into a, a game coming up, does the other team have enough people to play? Of course, those are all things that are, are sometimes out of your own control that you've got to be kind of at the, at the will of um, at times and just got to accept that, you know, the conference and the schools within the conference have committed to trying to put a season on for these sports in in the healthiest and safest way possible. Um, and just got to roll with the punches at some point and give it our best shot. Yeah. And we'll, we'll kind of take, take a walk through these schedules and you mentioned the flexibility and that, that might come into play as we will start with looking at the two basketball schedules and it's an interesting format in that you'll, you're going to play, a Thursday, Saturday, back-to-back, a home road back-to-back against a, a similar opponent. So Wheaton's going to start with a one-off against Augustana, and then starting the next week we'll have that home-and-home home Thursday, Saturday with Milliken, followed by Elmhurst the week after. And the, the, the design being that you could have a, a test on Wednesday apply through that that window of both of those games. But the flexibility comes into play where – if if theoretically say Milliken is unable has a positive test and can't play that first weekend and another game gets shut down as well could Wheaton turn around and schedule Elmhurst if they're off as well and you kind of run this this kind of rotation of shuffling the schedule and even if you play a team four times is it worth just getting those extra games back yeah I mean I think at this point people want to play um and I think you know I wouldn't be surprised to see teams step in and you know again just kind of take another team's place that couldn't play because I think people will will probably just be eager to be out there um you know you mentioned the the back-to-back I think um there's obviously positives and negatives to that as um does a test you know uh, does too many positive tests for a certain team knock them out for both games and if so in a 12 in a 12 game season you know losing two is a is a pretty big deal um, and, and not being able to fill either of those games with a different opponent means, you know, you lost a sixth of your season just right there. Yeah, and, and the other thing that, that comes with that is contact tracing being so much more prevalent through basketball when you've kind of, you've got tighter tighter area that you're working in, and, and it's a lot easier for a team to have maybe one or two tests bring the whole thing to, the, to a grinding halt 
where you could the the concern with that comes with if if that happens maybe on a Friday or somebody gets sick on a Friday in between and then you've got to you've got to run that testing and tracing all the way back through and, and and see if you have a problem for one team and then another team as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know things will be Left to be seen, They you mentioned the first half of the schedule there. We go Augustana, Milliken, Elmhurst. Then we've got another on a Tuesday, just single game against North Park, and then finish out with three of the back-to-backs against Carthage, Carroll, and North Central with the season um, hopefully culminating there at February 27th would be that final home game um, against North Central on a Saturday there. Um, but again, you know, we'll have to see if things – um, you know, extend out or, or get shortened up, depending on how things go. Probably the most notable um, thing we don't see on the schedule is a game against Illinois Wesleyan this year for either our men's or women's teams. Yeah, which which is certainly disappointing, given usually that's that's a game that you circle as as a game that last year came down to a half court buzzer beater uh, in in the game at King Arena, and those are always so so close and, and tightly competitive games, and especially on the women's side when you look at how many of the the consecutive run of conference championships that has been won by either Wheaton or Illinois Wesleyan, and then you don't have a, a game or two games there, you, you could have a very interesting scenario. And it's not just with Wheaton and Illinois Wesleyan and women's basketball. It could fall into the men's game too, where if, if you don't play a team, you might not have a head-to-head tiebreaker to determine a conference champion when you get to the end, assuming you've even played the same number of games. But there are certainly some wrinkles like that. But just from the quality of that game, it is certainly disappointing not to see Illinois Wesleyan on the schedule. Yeah, and one thing that comes with those big games, you know, Illinois Wesleyan, some North Central games, of course, big games against a lot of teams in the conference are, you know, just kind of the atmosphere that you feel, again, talking specifically about basketball when you're in there in King Arena. And that's not going to be the case this year as spectators will be barred from all competitions. There won't, there won't be fans at any of the games that we see here. And maybe that has a larger effect on some sports than others. But I think it's something that is certainly understandable and, and a good decision from a health standpoint. But another thing where you just have to say, and it's a bummer because getting sports back is, um, you know, important for players, important for fans as they can continue to watch online or stream or things like that. Um, but there is still something about swinging through, you know, um, the arena on a, on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday night and, and watching a game that, you know, won't be felt um, you know, during this, during this semester. And just another thing that we've got to let go of here. Um, and I'm interested to see how that plays out. We've, we've been watching um, professional sports leagues with um, some games with limited fans, some games with no fans, other games with not as many restrictions. You know, of course, games that are nationally televised, that have, networks have had to make the decision, do you pipe in crowd noise to, to make it sound a little bit more normal? Or do you leave it sit empty and just be really quiet other than the play on the field? And, you know, those are all things that players will I assume get adjusted to pretty quickly. I, I wouldn't think maybe it would have a huge effect. Um, but you wonder if is, is home field advantage, home court advantage, not uh, as much of a big deal anymore. What are all the ramifications of, of not having people in the stands for any of these competitions? Right. And you also run into the, the what does a gym setup look like when you don't have those fans in? Because you look at someplace like Gregory Arena in Naperville, uh, at, at North Central, that's a big arena that if you don't have fans in, there's really no need to bring out the bleachers that they put down on the lower level around the court. And, and it just, that feels at that point like a very empty gym. I mean, you're very aware of how much extra space is in that gym. And that's a gym that has some perception issues when 
for visiting teams when they come in and they've got that much room and space behind the backboard and all of a sudden you don't even have you don't even have any fans there to give you depth perception that that can be very interesting i'm thinking also of van mail Fieldhouse up at carroll that there's a lot of space behind those baskets that depending on how gyms choose to set up with no fans could make for a very very interesting atmosphere and, and make it a little trickier for teams coming in there yeah, I, I think you make a good point. I mean, Wheaton probably a place that that doesn't matter as much. Just having a little smaller gym there in King Arena, you know, whether bleachers come down or not. Um, of course, you get the feel that things are a little more wide open, probably especially if the the end bleachers aren't down on either side. Um, but not as as much of an issue as some of those other um, bigger arenas. But of course, you're going to get the feel of both as as you've got to play these back to backs. That you know you've got one home and one away, and so. Um, I think the other thing that comes up is is interesting to see how teams will play each other back to back because we see so often you know a team plays a, a team early in the season um, you know the results go one way and then you know later in the season a team is a totally different team based on how things have gone and we won't get to see that progression or the way that teams match up against each other at the beginning and start of or an end of a season as we do now where. Um, you head in, you play one game, and a couple of days later, you've got a couple of days to adjust, make your make your adjustments, and then have you know another game right up against that same team again. Right, and and it's worth noting the turnaround too is that you're playing a seven o'clock game on on Thursday night, and then a two o'clock game on Saturday. So if if you're a coach, you're not really looking to do a hard practice on Friday. You're doing probably more of a recovery walkthrough. That there's not a ton of time to get to get a, a change in game plans in there. You're really looking at film maybe doing an hour-long practice or so and getting them into the training room to, to get whatever recovery they need. So there's going to be a lot of, a lot of pressure and I think going to, going to expose some assistant coaches even around the conference and that the scouting report is going to be so thorough on Thursdays when you have that five days to prepare for a team that then that's Saturday and the, that Saturday is going to be very interesting to see how teams make adjustments when they haven't really had time to practice it much. Yeah, we look, you know, the men's schedule um, right now has got seven home games. So we'll see the the men's basketball team in in King Arena seven times. Over on the women's side, it is only five. Um, The difference there being that that game against North Park, that's the one-off, and also against Augustana, Augustana, excuse me. Um, Both are home for the men. Both will be away for the women. Um, Won't get to see them as much here in King Arena. But again, both teams, a 12-game schedule starts on the 23rd of January and hopefully ends up somewhere around February 27th. And we'll again just have to see how things move forward and, and whether games go through, whether we get them all in. And I think we're all optimistic and excited about that, but time will will have to tell on on just one other thing as we we've gone through this pandemic. Yeah, and I think you also then at the end of the schedule say, what does the conference tournament look like? If a team's only able to, to I mean, the conference tournament has expanded to six games, six teams. Do you keep it at six? If you have four teams that can't get through more than six games, does that cause a wrinkle? So I think there's just a lot of moving parts into what the end of the season looks like as well. And, and that's not just basketball. You look at, we kind of turn the page and look at wrestling a little bit. The CCW tournament is on the calendar. There's, excuse me, CCW championships is on the calendar for February 13th, but the wrestling schedule is set up as a dual only schedule. So what does that conference championship look like then when you've got all, I believe it's eight teams when you count the nine teams now that you add Carthage this year, um, when you add the associate members, um, what does that conference championship look like in Rock Island on February 13th? 
Yeah, we look at the wrestling schedule. If we want to go down kind of line by line here, they've got really three dates on the schedule. That's January 23rd, January 29th, and February 5th. Um, we're going to see a lot of the same teams, like you mentioned. Many of those are those affiliate schools, and, and we can talk in a little bit about how that maybe affects some things with, with testing and with trying to keep that bubble mindset. But, um, you know, we've got Lakeland, Concordia, Carthage, Elmhurst, Milliken, and then Milwaukee School of Engineering. Um, and we kind of see some familiar faces across those three dates before we head to that possible CCIW championship game on, or um, meet, excuse me, on February 13th. Yeah, and it, it is it is interesting. And talk about what a year to add your wrestling program for Carthage. And Wheaton's going to get a chance to see them on their first competition date on the 23rd. So you have a four-team set up on the 23rd. And then they will come home for a five-team setup on the 29th before going to Carthage for a five-team setup uh, on the 5th of February. Um, but but the associate members bring an interesting wrinkle into this, and in that are Lakeland, Concordia, and MSOE are those schools going to follow along with the same kind of testing protocols that the CCIW is hoping to do? Um, and, and and wrestling inherently is going to be interesting. And that just the nature of the sport causes um, some concern when you look at it in the COVID landscape. Yeah, I think, you know, we've we mentioned even just at the beginning of the, of the podcast here how important it is to have all schools within the conference that are going to be competing, kind of trying to buy in the same amount in terms of testing and things like that. I think with a lot of things so far, we don't want to speak with a lot of certainty on what um, exactly the CCIW mandated um, testing and contact tracing protocols are. Um, but you have to wonder if those affiliate schools will be under the same scrutiny from the CCIW um, to follow those as closely. Yeah, that's another one where contact tracing in, in a wrestling room can, can snowball pretty quickly. Um, where if given how many, how training cycles can go and, and moving through and kind of cycling your your partner and 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 trying to get a look at different different styles and, and all that I, I think a wrestling room can provide a pretty quick spread uh if a team is would happen to to have that problem which hopefully they don't so there there is some some uncertainty there but i, I think it's a good move on the, the part of the conference to initiate things as a dual setup i think you've got the ability to control things a lot better rather than inviting teams to find these open tournaments the way they are custom to finding. Yeah. Well, we've got um, men's and women's basketball kicking off on the 23rd. Wrestling will do the same, but you look once again, wrestling has a CCIW championship scheduled for the 13th, and, and then even past that has NCAA championships um, also on the books. You know, Tentatively, I would assume, but... February 27th, looking at a regional meet, and then the championships being kind of that March 12th to 14th. Um, of course, more questions are going to abound on that as the season goes along. And like you said, across the country, um, as you know, if we get to a, a, a time where national championships are going to happen, that brings a whole nother thing into the mix is just now you've got a lot more widespread teams from different regions of the country um, that are going to come into play at the same place. Right, and and that will certainly take some time to figure out what that's going to look like because that then you cause some issues with getting outside of your conference bubbles, and you you get especially when you get to the nationals, you get some travel involved, and and uh, there's certainly some some reason for for doubt when it comes to that. But at the same time, I think the NCA will will do its best to not have to cancel 
two championships consecutively. I think that will be that will be the onus on on a lot with with a lot of these these championships when we get to the end of the season. Is do you really want to lose a second straight year of that after they had to pull the plug in the Sweet Sixteen round of the basketball tournaments? You had you had wrestlers at nationals last year in Cedar Rapids. You had track participants at nationals out in North Carolina last year. But when the when the plug was pulled and I don't think you want a repeat of that setup. Yeah. I, I would have to think that, you know, whatever it takes again, within a, you know, safe and environment to, to make those happen. I think we'll see a big push for that, not only from, from coaches and, and players and people that are invested in, you know, getting to those, those championships, but also from the NCAA, like, like you said, I mean, there's not, there's not reasons other than, um, you know, health and safety to want to have those be canceled again. I think, I think we'll see a strong effort to try to see those played. All right. And as we, as we kind of continue through, through the conference here and we'll, we'll kind of move on to swimming and swimming causes its own problems because you really around the CCAW only have two pools that are, that meet the restrictions mandatory to host these events. So Wheaton and Carthage are going to get a whole lot of home events, um, and so you're going to see Wheaton at home for all four of their competitions. They're going to host Augustana on the 30th. That'll be their first meet. They're going to host North Central and Millican on February 6th. Then dual meets against Illinois Wesleyan and Carthage. And that's a little bit less, it, that's minimized a little bit by not every team in the CCW has a swim team and has the size of swim team that, that Wheaton does. Um, but it is nice for for Wheaton swim team that they will not have to travel for events. I think that's a pretty good luxury for them. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. I think you know, in any in any year, that's going to be something that is you know desirable for any team if there was a if there was a chance for that to happen. But you know, even this year, I think um, we'll see uh, the area there just be you know set up for a for a season long kind of event you just got you've got people coming in on different weeks there's you know a couple consecutive saturdays there that teams will be coming in um to wheaton and and i think you'll see a pretty smooth way of getting things going and i think you know once you've you've kind of figure out how all these events are going to look again without spectators without um you know any excess really personnel other than the people that need to be there to, to play the games well be able to get into a swing of things maybe faster in swimming even than other sports as as Wheaton will kind of have at least of their meets a lot of control with how things look yeah and, and it's one thing to note too is that swimming and and we'll kind of have the same problem when we talk about the track schedules is that there can be a lot of idle bodies around an event when you get into these these swim meets but Wheaton's and again I'm not sure if that this extends around the conference Wheaton at least has the plan that they're doing the men's meets and the women's meets separately as a way to limit the bodies coming through so they're alternating which meet will go first the women will have the the first meet against Augustana and Illinois Wesleyan with the men going first in the other two meets on February 6th and 20th. So there are some initiatives being taken here to limit the number of idle bodies you have around these meets and around the pool deck as, as you kind of cycle through all these events and trying to get through it as quick as you can. Yeah, I think, I think wrestling 
swimming and track and field kind of all have have that kind of you know you've if you've walked into a competition of any of those um you know events at different times you you just see a lot of people sitting around or or waiting for their event or waiting for their race or whatever it is their match um and i think that'll look a lot different this year there there are ways that um i think that's that's going to be trying to be cut down on um you know if we want to turn and look at the track team or just talk briefly about it i know one thing that i've heard um that's going to be happening um for our track team at least is you know normally we have uh, a team head head to a meet um and you know most of our meets are a, a good ways away whether they're in kenosha or they're in bloomington or um even if they're just in naperville um everyone gets on the bus and everyone heads there at the same time and everyone stays for the whole meet um and from my understanding that's not going to be how things go this year um you will see a lot more of or for track specifically um you know, event groups, sprinters or jumpers or, you know, shot put, um, you know, athletes kind of coming in small groups, having their event and leaving right away. Um, I think that's one of the many measures that we'll see taken to to try to limit, you know, spread and, and occupancy inside those arenas. Yeah, and that certainly will. We had talked about the environment being different with no, no spectators in any of these. That certainly takes away from some of the environments of these swim and track meets. And, and wrestling meets as well is that you have those people who are not participating who are usually there supporting their teammates where this is going to be a lot more of participating in a vacuum and this is going to be kind of your your event and you're done yeah i think a lot of these you know we think of you know swimming track wrestling to be uh more individual sports than um you know a basketball or soccer or football whatever you may you may be but of course there are elements to to swimming track wrestling that are still a lot about you know team sports and there's a lot of um importance in and being with a group of people there like you said with you know whether it's people circling the track for the end of the four by four you know um relay at the end of a meet or, or you know whatever it is those things aren't going to happen this year and i think that'll just be a different feel all around and 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 those sports are going to feel even more individualized than ever i would i would think um you know this season yeah and as we as we look at the track schedule it is worth noting with the swim schedule there's still a plan to have ccw championships now that will not look it's a normal self where they go up to the rec plex in, in Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin for those four days. It's likely to be a split event um, probably between Wheaton and Carthage hosting those two things, but track itself has, is not even going to try to do that. And I don't know how you would. Um, I don't know. I mean, it'll be ambitious to, to attempt for swimming, but certainly for track, it doesn't seem plausible to have a legitimate conference championship event where you just can't bring in all night, all, all track teams from around the conference and do it. Yeah. I, I've been at those. And, and again, there's just so many people, um, you know, taking away spectators and, and athletes, you know, even then that's just a lot of bodies that are on all these different teams. You know, when we look at the, the track and field schedule, um, both men's and women's look, look similar. And that's starting on February 6th with a, with a meet um, up in Kenosha against Carthage, Elmhurst, and North Park. So you see a group of four there. Um, go back on the 13th of February to Bloomington against Illinois Wesleyan and Milliken. And then you've got an event that, that will be CCIW-wide, at least hopefully, um, but with a smaller group of people when you've got the multi-event um, meet on February 20th and then capping out for the meet on March 6th against Carthage and Carroll, once again, up at Carthage um, before, you know, a possibility of some indoor track nationals. Um, again, those were cut off last year, but um, we're not, I don't think, and, and like you said, there's not really a way to see a conference meet um, for indoor track. Yeah, and certainly given the timetable, not possible with that last date of competition being March 6th and then nationals 
on March 12th. And that causes some other issues when you have a national event and you might have a qualifying time on the 6th and then have to figure out how to get to, uh, I believe it's uh, Ohio for the indoor nationals um, on the 12th. So there are some, some wrinkles there, but again, certainly a, a well thought out idea to divide the conference among the three available host sites, Kenosha, Bloomington and Naperville. Um, and, limit how many teams you're going to have in one place and the one CCW wide event, like you mentioned, only going to be the multi-event. So you do limit how many people you're bringing in and for that. And, and certainly a, a, a good mitigation process here to keep, to keep the numbers in the buildings as low as possible. Yeah. I think what we're going to see just across all sports, um, you know, across the CCIW is just, a concerted effort just to keep things going. I think, you know, we've, we've got processes put in place now, mitigation procedures that have been laid down. Of course, those are going to be different for different sports just by the nature of how each sport runs. There are different challenges to hosting a, a large track meet than the rider holding, you know, a, a basketball game, but, but there are challenges to each one. I, I don't think really either one is, you know, necessarily better or, you know, worse. I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, adjustment that goes on and, and a lot of, precautionary measures taken as they should be um but i think again what we said at the very start is is you know we've got a plan in place and it's going to come down to just execution on that i think um as we're going to begin to see as competition starts what what testing levels look like and um you know what contact tracing ability looks like as well um you know we're going to attempt of course to to have seasons in all these sports and grateful that that opportunity has been made possible. Um, but again, I think there's going to be a close eye on everything that happens um, in, a, in each sport this year. And, and you're going to see a lot of um, just scrutiny on, on way things are done, way meets are hosted, way um, athletes are behaving and all in the effort of just trying to keep seasons going and keep people safe. Yeah. And, and you brought up a good point is how far will some teams be willing to go to be able to keep their season going. I mean, we saw a situation developing in the in the NBA earlier this month where a team was going to dress an injured player with who had no possibility of playing just to have enough available bodies and to be able to keep that game on the schedule. Now that game ultimately ended up being postponed, but is are, are you going to run into a contact tracing scenario where a team's going to be so limited on bodies we could run into something like that? I mean, that that will be an interesting thing to follow. And that all does fall hand in hand. And how do we, how, how, how are teams going to take this execution of the schedule far enough in order for it to come enough to have a, a successful season? Yeah. And of course, at this point, we can only speak for what we know that Wheaton has in place. But again, I think, you know, an ambitious plan and, you know, one that, you know, includes testing athletes extremely regularly testing all students weekly um, using those rapid tests um, is, is something that, you know, the administration and, and those in charge are trying to implement to keep not only the student body safe, not only athletes safe, um, but just keep campus intact, you know, in a, in a way we were able to do in the fall. Of course, we're adding in this wrinkle of, of athletics happening and, 
you know, back in the fall, there was there was really not much um, leeway allowed for visiting other places or for getting off campus really in any way, shape or form other than just kind of some, you know, outdoor things in Wheaton. You know, again, being able to stay safe by staying outdoors was kind of the way that the fall semester worked, whether that was on campus or off campus. Um, we're now adding in some some travel for certain student populations, being the athletes and you know, now coming into contact with people from different schools, from different areas. Um, and I think that, you know, Wheaton's looking at how we can keep things under control um, and still allow these, you know, important things to happen. Yeah. And a lot of those outlets that you mentioned aren't going to really be available given the time of year and geography of, <laughs> of where we happen to fall. So certainly, certainly a lot to, uh, we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about as, as we move forward here into the spring but we do want to thank you for listening to this episode of the thunder sports report you can find the thunder sports report on google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, spotify and stitcher as as well as well as through our podbean hosting app if you have any feedback or suggestions drop us an email at wet excuse me wtsn at wheaton.edu again that's wtsn at wheaton.edu we'll be back next week and hopefully we'll, we'll have some more schedules to talk about it sounds like the ccw will soon be releasing uh some fall sports schedules to occur in the spring so we'll get a chance to look at what's going on there and and uh get a chance to hear from a former thunder student athlete and carlos fuentes who's on the other side of the world and 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 uh should be should be a lot to look forward to for the next podcast Looking forward to a, a semester ahead of all the things you mentioned, Rusty. Yep. For Abram Erickson, I'm Russ Lindsay. Thanks for tuning in to the Thunder Sports Report.